Hi guys, Jason here. I want to tell you about Wink.com. W-I-N-C. It's a great way to discover new wine if you don't know a bunch about wine. Basically, all you do is go to their website, fill out a survey based on your flavors, what you're into, what you're not into, and they ship personalized selections right to your door. They start at just $13 a bottle. You get to come home to a box that's been customized just for you, and then you can start chugging ASAP. There's no membership fees. You can cancel any time if you want to skip a month because you're out of town or because you don't have money. No problem. Shipping is covered. If you don't like the bottle, they'll replace it with one you love today. Even if you use wink.com slash the stew, you get $20 off your first shipment. Try wink.com, T-R-Y-W-I-N-C.com slash the stew. And you get to uh, you get to support us over here at the pod and we can keep delivering you great episodes to your door every week. Enjoy the show. I said what you know about it. Hello, hello. We'll fix it in post, Jason. <laughs> uh, you're listening to The Stew. I'm Jason Stewart. Andre Canaparo, say hello. Hi. We, uh, we did not do an episode last week. It's just been... Uh, I had some personal... Uh, Personal things going on in my life. Took a week off. Mm-hmm. And then um, also just hit with a wave of lethargy and you know, sick allergies. Just all kinds of bad things going on. It's like something got put in the water. It's like something got put in the water. Just for you and I, though. Yeah, weren't you our friend Chris? And weren't you saying he was feeling low? Yeah. Chris Chris Chang. Um, you know, the stew for the original fans. Yeah. He was he was he was sad for different reasons, but he's always sad about stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. Aren't we all though? Same. Very. Um so sorry that we missed last week, but we're we're back. And also my uh my little recording box sound card digital audio thingy uh died yesterday when we were going to record an episode so now it might it's going to sound a little differently because i'm recording it on a little backup recorder yeah you got the portable edition going and when it rains it pours on apple podcasts am i right we'll get it going we're gonna get going just a little speed bump god is good mercury's Mm -hmm. in retrograde let's get it life is uh just really opening our opening our mouth and just shoveling it in yeah, so you're a dog dad this week. A lot going on. I'm dog sitting this week. You you can only imagine what that's done to me. It's, uh, it's really great to see you blossom. But also, I feel like by the end of this week, this dog is going to be what saved me. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> you fucking dog. Teaching it to cook. You smell Just like a dog. Looking like looking like a dog ass dog. Yeah, this dog looks like a fucking dog. Uh, speaking of cooking, you and I did a little uh, chefing it up last weekend. Did a little catering for a um, friend's birthday party. The some hoodlum, the guy who does artwork all over Instagram, and he's done artwork for my other podcast, Tall Tales, for years. He uh, we had a little B day party for his girlfriend. We chefed it up for him. That, that was, was fun. It was fun. Andre and man in the grill. I was on the grill. 
TJ working the kitchen island, mm-hmm. plating it up. Prep the day. Prep, prep the house. Prep. Yeah, it's it's nice. Uh, I, I feel like catering, private chefing is definitely like the the best gig in the in the food industry. Yeah, we had no time to play Call of Duty this time prepping, <laughs> unlike for our brisket pop up. Yeah, when you make brisket, the prep there's a lot of there's a lot of downtime with Hurry the, up and wait. in the brisket game. So, you know, you fire up the station. But it it is it is really mm. nice to just uh you know, hey, I'm gonna hire you to do something at my house privately. Nobody's gonna know about it. You know, there's no real health codes until now but yeah oh yeah i see where you're getting at yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it, you know it's a, it's it's the last you know in, in in such a regulated world of foods and beverage service yeah it's kind of the last real freewheeling situation where you can be like yeah, i'm just gonna make food in my kitchen that's not approved by the fda and i'm gonna not a i mean you know, I'm, I'm gonna be cl- respectful and clean and wash my hands and not contaminate anything. I'm going to cook safely as if I was preparing a meal for my friends and family. Yeah, it's hard to sell Coke with OSHA and LA Food Department, Health Department breathing down your back. Yeah. When you go raw dog, you can make that extra green on top. Yeah, when when I said catering, that was in scare quotes. That was, yeah, yeah, you had skis on saying we're that. Selling, we're just, we're making a transaction. Mm-hmm. Mm. But that, that was nice. And uh, also while we were gone, that... Last weekend, we went over to Sonora Town. Wanted to give a little shout out to Sonora Town. That was incredible. They, 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 they were so nice to us. We just said we wanted to come and say hi because, well, what happened? We, we mentioned them because we love them. And we had somebody had the food brought and then they reached out because they had heard the podcast or something. Yeah, I guess they listened, I guess they listened to the pod. Yeah. And then so and we we're, were fans like, of them. We want to come down and, and like do the whole thing. Mm hmm. They blessed us, and they're so sweet, and and some of the best flour tortillas, the best, maybe maybe the best, and the best. they go down they go down drive from L.A. to Mexico like once a week. I don't know if it's one. Is it once a week or maybe or it's like three times a month or something? I mean, <clears throat> we went there on a Saturday, and they were leaving after closing at five to drive straight to mexico to buy supplies for the week. yeah they close they take sunday and monday off and every other week or something like that they just drive to mexico and buy 20 20 sacks of of flour and then drive them back up which yeah. is so crazy because that you know it's not that far of a drive to go to Mexico, you know, maybe like four or five hours, wherever, depending on where they're going. They're getting specific chilies for some of their salsas. They're getting, I yeah. think, they might, without knowing better, I think they mentioned they had really refined and tested a bunch of lards, and it took a while to find the right one for what they're making. Really? And, and we're going to have them on, so they can tell us yeah, more. Yeah, we're going to have them we're on. We're paraphrasing. We're just, we're doing, we're, we're doing a teaser, but just... Incredible the, commitment. Yeah, they... Whenever you have those types of restaurants of like Mexican Mexican ingredients made by Mexican people, and they're like, I just the corn here is not as good as the corn in Mexico, and the only way to do it is to drive to another country to buy it. There was a taco uh, place, and that's some dedication. There was a taco place in Santa Cruz that I grew up that 
was in kind of a big, it wasn't like a strip mall. It was kind of like that old school, big, just like shopping center-ish. And it had like, you know, like a Ralph's or something inside and dry cleaners mm. and just tons of shit. Mm. And it had a big old school Subway. kind of movie marquee, but it was used to like say all the businesses that were inside of it. Right. And the taco place, it said like the name of the tacos and they had fit on the line below it, Mexican food made by real Mexicans. <laughs> I always really liked that. You always liked that, didn't you? Yeah. And you know, because there's just, you could taste the difference. Sure. There's just something about it. I agree. Um, and then didn't even think of of the ramifications of driving across the uh, the Mexican border with a car full of... 20 sacks of white powder yeah, we made like in the back six, of your car. We made six jokes pretty much instantly, <laughs> immediately after We're just like, oh, that's crazy. Story. And you're like, no, 20 sacks of white powder across the Mexican yeah. border. And we're like, oh. Yeah, it's real hard. Um, I think what I say, I was like, it's real hard when they stamp each bag with just a scorpion on it with no <laughs> denotion of what's inside. And you're just like, this is making it way harder to buy flour. Yeah, I mean, you. it's just so like it's so hard to just do all of that. And then on top of it, you have to get pulled over crossing the border every single time, have them pull out every bag of flour and then do that cop move where you pull out a switchblade and stab it into the bag. Yeah. Pull it out a little sample, taste it, and like, ah, this is good. And then, you know, just do that over and over again. That just is the, such the, incredible movie shit. Can you imagine a day and <laughs> age right now where, like, a cop just sticks a switchblade and then tastes it? Just Hell then yeah. Vibes it? No. Hell, Hell yeah. No. <laughs> pull out, like, a little vial and turns blue and shit. Everyone on the force, there's always one guy on there who'll, yeah. he'll take a little tip. Yeah. Just looks both ways. Click. Mm hmm. Well, someone's got to do it. Um, so yeah, we'll have those guys on soon, and then yeah, she she gifted us with some tortillas and and they just keep forever, just ate them, just ate them so quickly. Just sometimes made a taco with them, sometimes just ate them plain, made a chip out of them. Yeah, if you go down there, buy twelve to go. They'll stay in your fridge for a week, and they just peel apart real simply, and you put them in a pan with no oil or anything, and they just mm-hmm. low heat. They just—it's incredible what they do. Yeah. Um. So thank you for that. Uh, we were gonna have our friend Royce Burke on yesterday, <laughs> but we had technical difficulties. But he—the ship broke. He made us uh, a breakfast burrito that was very good. Yeah, he's testing he's out some be, vegetarian breakfast burritos. He's gonna have it a pop. That is carrot puree on going Fairfax. on in there. Yeah, Royce Burke. Look him up on the Instagram. He he made a nice, very, very nourishing breakfast burrito. The kind of burrito where you can eat it and be uh, happy that you did and energized by quality produce. 100% the breakfast burrito that I would like to eat. Not the lucky boy, <clears throat> take a nap after, but the actual mm-hmm. fuel before you work in the morning. Yeah, just get a blast of carrot to start your fucking day. Yeah, it was like eggs and a romesco and vegetables, but it really tasted, it still tasted like a breakfast burrito. It didn't taste like um, something that somebody's calling that and it's wrapped in a tortilla. It still felt very much kind of different, but in the same realm as opposed to don't just shove all this in a wrap and say that it's a breakfast burrito when it's not. 
it actually really felt like a breakfast it, burrito. It definitely was walking the line of, can you still call this a burrito? I guess when you have breakfast in the word breakfast burrito, as long as there's a scrambled egg or an egg of some kind, then you sort of have free reign to do whatever else you want. Yeah. But, but if that didn't have eggs in it, and you're like, here's a burrito I made, and you'd be like, mm. well, maybe. Mm. I don't know. In I don't a, make the rules. In a world of 99% bad fusion... I'm willing to give leeway to something that's healthy and tastes good, even if it skirts the line of authenticity. Thank God. I need it in my life. Same. Because all I do is skirt. Skirt! Mm. We, uh, we have a bunch of questions that we're going to blast through. Mm-hmm. Andre and I went to a L.A. Times food bowl event last night. Yeah, that was fun. We watched The God bowl some, bowl some spares and <laughs> Watched Trudy's Underground Barbecue. Bert. Bert. Just go bowling on, you know, maybe there's pot involved. Who knows? Ate a bunch of food that was okay. No, some of it was good. <laughs> yeah, the the, be- the my favorite thing was from Scratch Bar. Yeah, same. Which if you've there, I don't. I think it was Top Chef or one. Of, it was a cooking chef show where the guy was kind of like a douchey guy. Didn't see it. And everyone hated him, and he was like a shit talker, and he was kind of like the villain character. And it made you really not want to enjoy his food. And then I would like look at the restaurant menu and be like, I don't know. Um, and then I ate it, and I was like, damn it, this is good. It was really good. It, it was, was like, it was like a, it was bone a, marrow custard. A bone marrow dessert. Yeah, a dessert bone marrow custard served in the bone. <laughs> on with, the half shell with pine oil and kind of like a grape dehydrated it was, grape it was a pine meringue, meringue cube yeah so like a little little like crunchy aerated cruncher didn't taste like pine but i see where he's going with it and yeah like a pickled grape and it was just so weird and loved it and bert did brisket served with hummus which yeah birds on paper kind of, you're like oh okay and then you eat it, and it was really good. Yeah, Bert, we need to have you back on to talk about uh, what's up with serving your award-winning brisket on a smear of hummus. It worked. It I want to get inside that head of yours. Yeah. Did it work? There's some we'll things to that we in. didn't get. We have noodles just making something I didn't try. Yeah, the fuck, the guy, uh, the guy from Michael's. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I missed that. Miles, yep. the young, the young man, young chef. I was like, "What's up, dog?" And he's like, "Sold out." And I was like, "All right, I'm glad I didn't pay for this shit." <laughs> <laughs> Shout outs to L.A. Times. We'll yeah, see thank you guys you so much. They're doing an L.A. food bowl downtown. Jonathan Gold's doing a bunch of shit. You know, I'm sure we'll be doing some stuff somehow, yes. some way. Speaking of Jonathan Gold. Wild review of Major Domo. <laughs> did uh, did he review Major Domo yet? I don't know. Yeah, I think that's sort of the one. I mean, we have a lot of questions, but is, is there one about that in the questions? There, I think there was like three. Okay. Of people asking like, what what's what's the deal? All right, we'll get to that then. We'll do it in the questions. No, we we should just do it now. Well, let's see where the te- let's see where the no all the questions are are, are just like. What do you think about the Jonathan Gold review of Major Domo? Uh, they weren't really offering like their insights or unique perspectives on something, but it was a very meta review that basically was more a conversation about Jonathan Gold's place as 
a personality and a reviewer and his relationship to David Chang and what we might assume, and that took up more than actual conversation about food. Mm-hmm. Um, Maybe because the actual conversation about the food wasn't so great. Right. I mean, I mean, you can, I don't know. Again, I feel like his reviews try to point you in a direction that is less about good and bad and more about try this, try th- You know, it's mm-hmm. more, it just talks about what he ate as opposed to, I don't know. And sometimes... Like, he, normally, normally a Jay Gold review is like, they have this. I really like this, I really like this, I really like this. this. This one missed a mark, and I really like this. And Yeah, but I feel like in the last couple of years, they've more... They've more gone towards a, talking about what he ate and maybe some of its origins, especially if he's doing like Alhambra or something in SGV. He'll talk about what he had, where it comes from, where and how, at what time it's traditionally served. Is it breakfast? Is it lunch? Mm-hmm. Is it savory? Is it sweet? And sometimes he'll say, like, is this the best one? Is this as good as the one at this restaurant? Mm-hmm. He'll spice that in there, but it's definitely more about telling you what is out there for you to try. And I feel like he's walking away from being being kind of this inflated person that I feel like he's acknowledging he's become in, in L.A. He's not that heavy. But, it, but in L.A., there's nobody else you talk about... C- I mean, of course, but not to the degree that the kind of the stature that Jonathan Gold has found himself in. Mm-hmm. I mean, no, it, it's not Jonathan Gold. It's Pulitzer Prize winning Jonathan Gold. And mm-hmm. every lead in on a podcast <laughs> or an article about him, he's got a, docu- a two-hour documentary or an hour and 45-minute documentary. Just about it. So mm-hmm. there's a lot, and I feel it's all deserved. In He's got the blue check next to his name. Yeah, and I think, feel like it's all deserved to a degree. And <clears throat> I, I think that this, this is a town that feeds on that kind of celebrity worship where it's unavoidable when it goes too far. And, mm-hmm. um, and I think the way... Are you, are you, I am completely guessing, but I feel like having... You're about to in, interject a Kanye. No, uh, no, no, but, but in having analogy, I feel for so it. long and loved him for so long, I feel like he's trying to kind of step away from himself a little bit as far as being kind of the thumbs-up, thumbs-down Roman Empire of L.A. food mm-hmm. and more just discussing what exists mm-hmm. and kind of, you know, not... I feel like he celebrates so many undiscovered foods and, of course, he has to cover the bigger restaurants, but I get the sense that he wants people just to try things and decide for themselves as opposed to, again, being, you know, the, the emperor being like, mm-hmm. this is bad, this is good. And yeah. I think he's too intelligent to work in that, in that level of black and white. And I, th- I think he used to, I think that's sort of how he made his bones being like, hey, you should try this and try this. But when he was doing that back in the day, it was like at this little cart in Monrovia and yeah. you can try this and try that and it's going to cost you six bucks. I mean, he's still who he is. He's and now it's hard f- for him to do that at a place where your ticket's going to be two hundred ahead. Well, he's still, I mean, he's still who he is and he still has to do the things that kind of keep him in the stature that he is. And he gets flown to Noma for, I mean, he gets flown to Tokyo for a Noma pop-up or what, I mean, he mm-hmm. still lives in a world, uh, uh, you know, of the 1% for food critics he's still, in the country. He's, but, but I think he makes efforts to not 
be the cartoonish character that I think he could see himself becoming with his popularity. Yeah, and I think also, even even though he may not be the most famous food critic in the history of time, he is arguably the most popular one right now. Well, for L.A. for Definitely for L.A., of course, but maybe for America as well. I don't know. I, I mean, don't have that perspective. But maybe. I don't know, but like, you know, Pete Wells is... Yeah, it's big, and then you know Addison, there's a uh, and Ruth Rachel and all that stuff. But of course. I think maybe you know he's trying to figure out wh- how do you get into a, like people c- can find what all these people look like in person. Yes, uh, and it's not hard to know what Jonathan Gold looks like because he's out in the public persona. So he's he's trying to figure out how to have his food critic. You know that he's he's sort of walking the line of like I am the only person who is trying to figure out how to deal with how large I have become while still maintaining my critical yeah. integrity that I'm trying to maintain, and it, it's obviously not easy to do. But also, when you're, I mean, there's so much that goes into a conversation about a restaurant that makes the impact that something like Major Domo does, um, and. By impact, I mean just kind of the PR machine that's involved with anything that David Chang does, who he is in the food world, the money and expense put into a restaurant in an area like, you know, where they're at outside of Chinatown and and serving Korean food in a city that has the largest population of Korean people outside of Seoul, Mm -hmm. outside of uh, Korea. It's like... You know, what are your ambitions? What are you doing um, when you have the one of the hardest reservations in L.A.? I mean, it, it it's hard. It's it's kind of like, is the food good? Yeah, I'm sure the food's great. I haven't, I mean, disclaimer, I haven't eaten there. But it's, <laughs> but, and neither of you, right? Uh-uh. So, but everyone that we've talked to, and we've talked to a lot of people about it, it's not the best Korean food in LA and it's leaps and bounds the most expensive Korean food in LA to an extent or I mean mm-hmm. pot wasn't cheap when it was open mm. at the line and and you see you know this kind of like it's not inauthentic but it's also kind of all again to go back to the celebrity of the hype machine the PR machine it's like it's not you know I don't know I, I feel in my heart, when chefs are getting off a shift, they're not hoping to get a table at the bar at Major Domo. You know, like that's not where they're going to eat. That's not where people necessarily are going to eat. But, you know, if you want to be seen or if you want to be able to tell your friends you ate there or if you want to flex and say, like, I can get a reservation here anytime, I mean, it's, I mean, it's, that, it's the example of that aspect of Los Angeles wrapped in kind of the stature of a, a pedigreed celebrity chef and mm-hmm. a cuisine that is very popular uh, for good reason. I mean, it, it's just, it's a thing way beyond the food. And I think that's what that interview kind of speaks to. And it goes back also to Vespertine where it's like he, you know, there are restaurants that on their face, all you need to do is talk about their food. And there's ones that are so big and make such an impact and have so much money behind them and have so much buzz about them and buzz not about the food that the conversation is distracting away, uh, you know, necessarily about what would be essential to somebody who really just wants to eat. Mm-hmm. Did the review make you want to eat there? I mean, I want to eat there regardless. So, I mean, 
It's like, do I want to pay to eat there? No. <laughs> do I want to make the effort to be around? Do I like to eat in those environments? Do I find those environments distracting? A thousand percent. Mm-hmm. I find, and but that's that's one man's opinion. I mean, that's and that might be a personal fault that I can be distracted by ambience that much. But I mean, I don't want to be in that environment ever. Um, what do you think? Uh, what's your prediction for? The Jonathan Gold 101 list. What What do you think it's going to be ranked at? I don't. I mean, I don't think it matters. I mean, I think of that, course it doesn't matter. No, but this in is the a food way podcast, that I bitch, none of this matters. No, but I mean, I think like it doesn't matter in the sense that I don't think it matters to him where he puts it. I mean, I, I think if anything, that last list we saw is him being like, "This is all bullshit," mm-hmm. but here's a bunch of restaurants. Have fun. Mm-hmm. You know, like there's no right or wrong when it comes to food. In, in nuances sometimes. And Just looking for a number, Kanapara. One. It's going to be number <laughs> one. It's going to be one? I don't know. I mean, I have I no know. idea either. I really don't know. I but would imagine it's in the top 50. Yeah. Are we, are we looking at... Uh, I mean, didn't Felix not make that 101 last year? <laughs> so it's like, I don't... I mean, who knows? Felix was a rich restaurant, though. Felix was a rich restaurant that I think people, you know, you've eaten there. It's like... Yeah, the food's also good. No yeah. one's no one's leaving Felix being like, there's better. It's That's like true. People are saying like, yeah, it's a fucking pain in the ass to deal with all this shit, but fuck, it's great. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, that interests me more. When, someone, when someone's like, look, it, it's going to be a thing, but there's some wild stuff. I mean, it's really... Mm-hmm. But if someone's like, yeah, it's okay. There's some good stuff, I guess. <laughs> But man, is it a fucking pain in the dick to deal with? And I'm like, what? No, I don't want to go. No, uh, uh-uh. no. You want to walk me in and let me be quiet and let a bigger personality be at the table and like a whole thing. And I just sit there and food comes and I eat it and I leave. Uh huh. Would love to do that. Yeah. But to sit down at a two top with someone and just kind of like really have to focus on food that people aren't super impressed with. Mm-hmm. And then pay a lot for it and not enjoy where I am. Mm-hmm. That sounds like a, yeah, I lost a bet. Yeah, I mean it's 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 it's, uh, it's very beneficial to have a, a restaurant Sherpa who to guide you through yeah, through those just, treacherous places. There's so many restaurants that I love that many people are like, eh, whatevs. And then if I go there with them and. But I, don't, I don't know if I was. But nobody can afford to be. If it was ten or fifteen years ago, I might have been a little more thirsty for it. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's also like you know, I, I'm not, and I would never fault anybody for enjoying it or going multiple times. Or I will. That's not. I'm not casting um, judgment. It's just if you're asking me what turns me on at this point, it's not that experience. Mm-hmm. If the food isn't, you know, something that I will be absolutely blown away by. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, moral of the story, everyone just needs to make more money to be able yeah. to afford all of this stuff. Yeah, and I mean, look, it's not the most expensive restaurant in L.A. by, no. by any means either. No, no, no. Mm. All right, guys. It's question time. First question from Estevan, whose name is Estevan Backwards on Instagram, sort of. TJ and Andre, I'm really trying to step up my cooking game as a whole and was hoping you guys could give a few helpful tips for someone that doesn't really know where to begin. Appreciate your help. Mm, the question's sounding a little a little general, a little vague. 
First um, of all, you need to buy a sous vide. Yeah. Second of all, go to France. Get a Japanese carbon blade. Um, I, I think we've said it before, but mastering a steak in a cast iron skillet at your house is something that I think um, I think it's hard to beat a perfectly cooked steak. Mm. Even even when people come over here that are food people, and if I if I do the job right, which isn't guaranteed, um, when people bite into a perfect steak, it doesn't matter how much food you've eaten or where you've eaten in your life. Your you know people's eyes mm-hmm. will roll a little bit and be like, Jesus, just a piece of steak with mm-hmm. salt mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. is absolutely incredible. And it takes practice and time and a little bit of money to buy steak worth cooking that way. Yeah. Um, but I mean, that's always, and it's always such a clean and simple dish. <clears throat> Sorry. <clears throat> it's such a clean and simple dish. As long as people eat meat, there's not a lot for people Ooh. to not like, mm-hmm. you know, some people don't, cilantro tastes like soap. Some people have allergy. I mean, there's so much that in, in more complex dishes that, you know, can be variables, Everybody loves a piece of steak. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's pre- impressive with the plate. And you can do like a salsa verde, a chimichurri, or you can make your own kind of like chili paste or your own steak sauce. And there's ways to dress it and there's ways to plate it really simply and elegantly that really kind of make it pop. Mm-hmm. Um, I think uh, a, good, a good way to get in is mastering the pastas. Mm-hmm. Cook times. I think, I think uh, making a nice... Well-composed pasta dish uses a lot of a wide range of techniques that are beneficial. Where, See, uh, what dish would you point them to? Um, I mean, I th- I think a I think a carbonara is a good example of of a pasta dish where you have to use a lot of lot of different techniques and also a lot of faith in yourself and the recipe to bring something together, like making sure. When you're boiling the water, that the it really does taste like the sea, and it really is salted. And I think a, a, th- a thing that a lot of people do when they're first starting out is they're not using enough salt in general for anything. Sure. Um, yeah, learning to use salt's good. So learning to use salt, learning to test the way things taste and feel for doneness in your mouth. Mm-hmm. So you know, instead of just saying like boil it for 12 minutes and then pull it out, like. You can never go by a time for cooking anything that involves a specific doneness level. You can say, like, well, you know, cook the steak for four minutes on each side, but, like, there's too many variables to have that. How thick is the steak? What is the cut of the steak? Mm -hmm. Um, So, like, you have to learn how to take the spaghetti noodle out of the pot, take a little bite off of it, chew it in your mouth, know that in two minutes it'll be fully done, so you should pull it out al dente for that. Is the water salted enough? All that stuff. And then having faith in finishing a carbonara dish. I like to do, I like to mix everything and mix, have everything come together in a pot or in a bowl that's off the heat so it doesn't scramble. And trusting that you're going to be eating raw eggs that are slowly cooked with the residual heat of the pasta. And then when you plate it all up and sprinkle it with some. Some thingies, depending on how uh, staunch you stand on the traditional carbonara, 
you know, like what kind of cheese is you using if you're going to garnish it with a little parsley or not. Some people think that's blasphemy. Are you going to use nutmeg? Who knows? Are you going to use nutmeg? Things like that. But I think once you finally, once you get something so simple as like you're mixing pasta with like two ingredients, three ingredients, and then you transform it into something sublime is when you really start connecting the dots in your head of what good cooking is to me. I think, I mean, if you even want to walk it back to, if you want to really kind of start to step up, I think as he said, the words he used, your cooking game. Mm -hmm. I mean, you want to start by wrapping your head around, if you care about home cooking, that things, if you're not doing them in practice, might seem annoying and too much work, but you can't. You can't do any better than sourcing well and sourcing in season. So mm. if you care, go to your farmer's market or find a farmer's market and don't let Whole Foods be good enough. And mm. when you're cooking, cook in season, head on down to Now Serving, mm-hmm. ask them about a great in-season cooking cookbook. Four Seasons is a great one. Um, Love the Four Seasons. But not the hotel chain. Not the hotel chain. But hate the four seasons. Understand hotel. that if you really, you know, what you're paying for at some of your favorite restaurants is somebody in the kitchen staff heading out that morning every day and probably getting fresh ingredients or every two days or every three days. Or if it's insane, mm-hmm. it's being brought to them, maybe, probably not. Know what farms that you really love and make that effort because. The simplest dishes with the best sourced ingredients are always my favorite, always your favorite. I mean, I think simplicity mm-hmm. a lot of times, too, is as impressive as in the notes you don't play. Mm. But when something's just incredibly perfect and in season and beautiful, I mean, it, there's nothing better than that. It's not about a sous vide. It's not mm. about... God is good, baby. It's not about, you know, whatever was flown in from this place that did something. I mean, whatever's yeah. five miles away from your house mm-hmm. that's grown perfectly by somebody who cares is going to taste Yeah, we, we. I had a salad last night where I was like, oh conceptually great everything looks good it's plated beautifully i look at the list of ingredients and like you know it's adventurous but it all makes sense and it sounds good and then it was like it had plums and heirloom tomatoes in it amongst other things and like the tomato was not a good tomato it's kind of mealy the plum was i like the plum you didn't like the plum uh not ripe you know and i was like well well, on purpose. Guess this kind of. I mean, maybe it was on purpose. Could be a matter of of taste and opinion. But it's kind of like, eh. if you're, if you're, it, it would have been, of I would have paid good money for this beautiful salad, if you would have just got good tomatoes. And then to be like, oh, I'm just gonna make it anyways. You have to look at the tomatoes you get and be like, oh, these tomatoes fucking suck. I mean, Plan times, B. The amount of times I've eaten something at somebody's house and I can't figure out why it's so good and I'm asking them what they did. And they're like, oh, but I grew these too. <laughs> like I picked these out of my garden and I'm like, oh. There you go. That's, that's how you can't <clears throat> win because mm-hmm. the amount of care and effort and put into that one beautiful green bean. Mm-hmm. Um, you know. And, and lastly, uh, as we move on, the other thing that I think is a, a very good skill to have as a new chef in the home kitchen is 
to get the hardest thing to learn is how to time everything out so everything is done at the same time. So yeah, getting that, a mental not, idea. I, I don't have that yet, so I don't, you can help me out. <laughs> you kind of have to some, take, yeah. take notes That's of what you're going to be making. I'm going to be making a, a salad and some roasted potatoes and some grilled chicken and like to have everything come out and done and fresh at the same time and like what things are going to take the longest, what you need to do first, what you need to do in the middle, what you need to do last and learning how to have everything sort of spin all those plates and come together at the end is is a skill that only comes with time and experience. Yeah, this, that's a that's a great um it's a great goal to have long term, but it's also mm-hmm. easy to learn, lifetime to master. Yeah, I mean and that's the one thing that and it, it's sort of like a you don't an really aspirational goal. It's an aspirational goal, but it's it's a it's a tireless effort that also doesn't really get that much praise no, because you right. you like I made five different things, and if one thing is super good and everyone's like, "Man, that was really good, good job." The chowder's scorching, but you never get praise for having everything come out at the same time, perfectly on time. There's so many times that no, we've all been it's to a magic trick, right? You're supposed, yeah, no one's supposed to see it. It's a magic trick, and. I mean, how many times have we been to a friend's barbecue or dinner party where it's just like, all right, this is done, this is done, we're ready to eat. And then they're like, oh, we're, I'm roasting some potatoes, they're going to be done soon. And then you look in the oven and you're like, oh, those potatoes are going to be done in like 45 minutes. Yeah. And then they pull them out in 30 minutes and they're like half, they're not as good as they could have been. And you're eating them anyway, or you're eating everything cold and you're like, but nobody really, nobody really puts up a fight about it. They just, they're just sort of used to it and expect it. Yeah. But if you can get everything out at the same time, bing, bang. Next question, Jason Langdo, our dear friend. Is it okay to call a pizza a pie? Yeah, why not? Well, hey, I say yes, definitely. Calling a, pizza, calling a pizza pie is always fun, and I support it absolutely. Elliot Foos, my dear friend. Elliot Foos, the barista at uh, at Gem in New York City. If you live in New York or going to New York, go to Gem. It's Flynn McGarry's restaurant, and Elliot does the coffee program there in the daytime. He does a good question. What is the LA equivalent to New York's quote unquote? It's in the water. Is there one? Is it the air that makes the LA scene better? <laughs> I think. I mean, it's the Mexicans, Elliot. Yeah, get a grip. Mm-hmm. You're not going to get that kind of work out of Dominicans, man. They make it better. Um, I, w- you know, consistent, incredible weather um, in the way that how produce can grow. I mean, you've got access to upstate New York, which is incredible, but it's a much smaller window mm. um, with mm. a much harsher growing environment. So it depends, I guess. I feel like that's what stands out to me. I mean, the produce that comes out of the Central Valley is as good as it gets anywhere in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, our so access our hours. But I feel like it. that's not a. That's I think his version of a "it's in the water" is sort of that as, as bullshit. As why? No, not bullshit, but sort of like the 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 unknown element that's just in there like something that you really can't quantify like everyone knows that uh, people praise the la food world because we have access to the best produce in the country 
but I think he means like what's that sort of magic secret spice that you just can't put your finger on that makes it that makes LA beat New York in the food wars currently. I mean, does LA take itself seriously enough to even answer that question in a way that mm. New York has that aggressive constantly in your face? You know, we're better. This is the best pizza. Have you had the best of this? Have you had the best of that? Mm. I think there's a slower... Yeah, maybe I need to live in New York. <laughs> there's a slower pace of life in L.A. that can frustrate people to come out here. And it's kind mm. of like, I don't know. Yeah, it's pretty good, man. You I should, guess our, it. our It's in the Water is the uh, slow and steady wins the race. The tortoise beats the hare. I just, I mean, I don't... It's I don't, the pot and the Mexicans, baby. Right. I mean, I think... I think the question is food is New York is that New York food scene better than the LA food scene is a fool's errand to really care about or consider because sure. it leads to really uninteresting conversations about food. Um, also in LA nobody has a job, so that too. So we have so much extra time to podcast and yoga. Eat food and then do podcasts about food. Next question, uh, Dustin Godin. Best cheese for a first date and best cheese for a last date. <laughs> bizarre question. Very bizarre question. First date cheese. Mm. Burrata is always nice for a first date. Ooh, burrata is a great first date cheese. It's, uh, it's clean, fresh. It's not going to make you have bad breath. And it's a showstopper. It's sensual. It let... What did you just say? It's sensual. It is a sensual cheese. Absolutely. Um, Best I, last date cheese, anything that's spent at least 24 months in a cave. Mm, get you a, a, a Bon Voyage cave aged? Yeah. Uh, when, uh, question for you. On, you're on a first date with a lady. You're at your favorite Burrata bar. Do you throw her the keys to the caddy and say, hey, you slice this, you slice this Burrata open and let it ooze out? Or do you say like, Step aside, my lady. Uh, I will be the, I will be the cheese slicer, and I'll show you how it's done. Show you how Daddy slices into this burrata and lets it ooze out. There's no right answer to that question. You play the game that's in front of you. Right, right, right. You 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 make that call when it's go time. You I go get to it. where the puck's gonna be, not where it is, buddy. Fuck, brother, you said it. Teddy Wilkins, the great Teddy Wilkins. How and when do you decide to use finely cracked pepper versus coarse? It's a pretty good question. I think most people nowadays are are coarse heads mm-hmm. as opposed to a fine. I think when I when you deal with the fine, your your sneezeability goes through the roof. Your uh, well, black pepper isn't traditionally, or in my experience, used very fine because. Most often, any kind of pepper that you see that's going to be fine, like in a Chinese five spice, is white pepper. Mm. Um, oh, well, he didn't specify black pepper, right. so I guess that's you, you're answering the question. So, like, whenever you're getting a dish with Szechuan peppercorns, they're usually whole. I mean, it's not even cracked. Mm-hmm. You know, they're thrown in there, and they're a beast, and they're great to cook with. <laughs> black pepper is not usually... I mean, if you're doing a barbecue rub... You usually don't use fresh cracked pepper. You're usually kind of using like store-bought ground or or if you want to use fresh or if someone wants to argue with me about it. The texture of the pepper you're using is finer than what you would do like in a salad or if you're grilling a steak. Mm. Uh, Because then texture, you don't 
you want even texture for your rubs usually. So that's why a lot of times, you know, garlic powder, onion powder, paprika, cumin, coriander, salt, sugar. You're using, you're not using maladon for like a barbecue rub or, mm -hmm. you know. So I, I think um, my experience with fine black pepper is usually in rubs. And rubs. almost every other time it's somewhat in, in some level of coarseness otherwise great answer to a good question <clears throat> he has a follow-up uh dry age versus wet age versus no age how long to age and why what is the best cut of steak and why is it the ribeye don't age at home <laughs> um i mean unless you really want to i've seen some tutorials on sure but there's also people that understand the science better than the amount of money it's going to take you to build out mm -hmm. a dry aging room yeah and and test your theories on chemistry as to why it works better leave it to the pros like sushi and beer baby leave it to the pros um why is ribeye the best steak i don't know i mean i really like um flat iron and i really like skirt mm -hmm. um new york's probably my favorite like off the rib cut of beef mm -hmm. um ribeye is always great filet is not my favorite mm -mm. um uh hanger steak's nice we've we've been told why it's not necessarily a sustainable steak to eat constantly mm -hmm. but um i don't know my dad really likes filet um it's in in the world of cuts, simpler time in the world of cuts it's by far the most tender but it's also considered some of the least beefy um yeah I think it really comes down to personal preference, but what I serve at home, um, you know, I like flat iron, I like skirt, um, I like hanger because those are cuts that tend, you know, I like to serve on a platter and I don't necessarily like to serve individual steaks. So, mm -hmm. you know, when you're slicing up something like skirt, it looks really nice and it, it's kind of, it naturally lends itself to that as opposed to, you know, breaking down a really beautiful ribeye that you know doesn't necessarily like lend <clears throat> itself to it i mean of course it, it's fine to do um but i think ribeye is a combination of marbling and and beefiness that you know traditionally is is a fantastic cut of steak mm -hmm. uh i prefer the ribeye all in all i mean i like all the cuts but i think the ribeye but also a well a well cooked short rib is another tough to beat cut of steak. I don't know if you really sure. call that a steak though. Um, next question from Johnson Paul Jean Paula Paula Johnson. Recommendations on other food podcasts besides the stew. Listening to Radio Cherry Bomb, the Food Show, and the Splendid Table. Definitely don't listen to any other food podcasts because they all are bad. Just kidding. I didn't know there were other food podcasts. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, those are good ones. And, you know, the Bon Appetit podcast, depending on what the subject matter is, can be in enjoyable sometimes. Does Alton Brown have one? Alton Brown used to have one, and I used to like it, but he yeah. doesn't have time to do it anymore. Uh, uh, I, I mean, the David okay. Chang podcast, it just came out, so it leaves a little, uh, there's a little window open if that's going to be how much about food it's going to be about. I listened to the first episode, and it was pretty interesting. It was him and Bill Simmons talking about the process of opening Major Domo and waxing on some L.A. stuff and mm -hmm. 
weaving in some uh, NBA analogies and Red Washington Redskins chatter. Uh, it should be okay. But, and she says also, by the way, you and Andre came off a tad mean to Thomas Raquel. <laughs> Who's that? He was the the last the I'm guest on the last kidding. episode. <laughs> Who is that guy? Given he did come off a little precious, maybe the NYC versus LA vibe. We came off mean, and I replied, "I was definitely mean to him." <laughs> I don't remember that at all. No, no, no. He was uh, he was a he was a nice a very nice man. He was great, and he was great, and he's a very skilled chef. And I think he was just. Uh, he was. I think he's him and I and. I mean, we got along just fine, but we're, uh, I, I was more poking him. I was, I was poking the, uh, poking the dog with the stick, hoping to get a little, uh, get a little more poke out of him, you know? Well, I don't like mean, so I'll have to think about this and potentially re-listen for like the second <laughs> time ever to an episode that we've done, because I don't want anything to come across mean. Yeah, we don't, Andre does not mean to be mean, and I mean to be just a little baby mean in a fun way. Uh, Steph Sloan, what's up, Steph? Favorite spots to dine solo in LA? Mm. Andre does a lot of solo dining, so uh, <laughs> uh, solo dining. I love Whole Foods. <laughs> Ouch again, but yes, very true. Whole Foods salad bar. Whole Foods. I dined solo at Whole Foods yesterday, and I have a I have a friend. Who also goes to Whole Foods for lunch, um, and we're on the same cycle. Or we have a similar lunch cycle, and we 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 don't we never exchanged info. And but we always but we talk, and sometimes we share a table while we're eating lunch together. And we shared a table yesterday, and bonded over some some solo dining. But he uh, sushi's great to eat by yourself. Sushi's the I would say sushi is the best, and because you sit at the bar. But also at, at Whole Foods, he does the same move as you. As you, the uh, get the get some salad and a piece of salmon grilled up. But smart man, we we we'll, we'll go there and we ask for five dollars worth of salmon grilled up. He goes in and asks for four to six ounces of salmon grilled up, and he's he's pulling out of there with a three dollar and fifty cent. Piece mm-hmm. of salmon. Smart man. And I was like, oh, buddy. Whole Branzino is nice, too. So I feel like he can, he, can get his, he can get his meal, you know, some fresh veg and a nice piece of freshly cooked salmon for like... eight fifty Less. The salad. It's hard to do a salad bar for less than five bucks. I don't and know, Maybe get man. in there. I mean, three fifty. dollars it's a tiny salad. Well, it depends on what you're using. No, I am not going Arugula, for th- don't weigh too much, baby. Well, that's what the majority of my salad is, mixed mm-hmm. greens and arugula. Mm-hmm. I stay away from things like carrots and Brussels sprouts and heavy items. Sure. I know how to work this system. You know. Um, yeah, so sushi, any, any sushi in L.A. is a great solo dining spot. Ramen. Uh, I think any place that, yeah, ramen is a good one, too. I think any place that has, has a bar where you can talk to people who are working there. Um, EPLP is a good place to do a solo dine. I, I guess you're kind of treating yourself a little bit at that point. Yeah. Um, I feel like Cantor's might be a fun solo dine just because it's a lively dining room, even mm-hmm. though the food's not so hot. Good people watching. Yeah, good people watching going on there. And one more. Providence. Ugh. Providence. Is nice. <laughs> 
I, I, I bet you sitting at the bar alone at Major Domo is a pretty good vibe. Yeah. Uh, any, any place where you're going to be able to shoulder to shoulder with some like-minded peeps and maybe share, uh, share some dishes, share some drinks, that's always a fun night. Uh, has that ever happened to you? I like to go to a bar and then chat it up and then be like, yeah, hey, you know, that looks good. You want to try a little bit of this? Oh, I got this one. Try a little bit of that. Here's my wife. Yeah. Do you want to go back to the hotel? You know, that kind of vibe? Yeah, definitely. Chelsea Lynn, too, asks, loaned the jewel to a family member. The bag with the chicken opened up in the water and chicken juice ran through the jewel. Rinsed it out, but cleaning tips slash will it ruin in the long run? Not at all. Um, also working in Chicago this summer, which Michelin restaurant should I attempt to get into? Ooh, that's out of my jurisdiction for Chicago. Michelin. Just put the jewel in clean water mm-hmm. and put it up to like 180 degrees. Mm-hmm. Let it cook for, you know, four hours or something like that if you're worried about it. But What no. about adding salt to that water? Would that be bad or good? Like when, they, when you clean out a blender, they'll say like put in a bunch of salt with the water to kind of get in there and, as an abrasive. Yeah, that's as an abrasive. But I think what you're talking about, like temperatures that you're pasteurizing at for long periods of time at that temperature is going to disinfect whatever's in there. Um, mm-hmm. And it's not going to ruin it long term at all. Um, I mean, any sous vide one that doesn't kind of build into... They're engineering that bags have the potential to open and spill juices, oils, anything. Um, I think you're going to be fine. Mm-hmm. But yeah, just put it in some hot water for hours and, and that'll disinfect it and you know, you'll be fine. Again, in theory too, disinfecting, about, disinfecting the jewel is kind of a misnomer in the sense that you're cooking food in bags as long as this bag doesn't open again or what, you know, mm-hmm. whatever the wand is touching is just heating water that also is never touching whatever you're cooking. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm also not a huge germaphobe or kind of food preparation. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I've never gotten anybody sick with my cooking, knock on wood. But, um, you know, I just pay attention, keep things clean. Uh, you know, a lot of the scares that you get from food or you think about raw chicken or certain things, I mean, it, comes down to where they're coming from and how they've been processed. Mm. Um, and, you know, bureaucracy kind of overcarries and goes beyond anything reasonable within somebody's paying attention. I mean, those laws and, and those guidelines are made for kind of foolproofing through kind of the, you know, I cook my pork to 135 degrees. Um, you know. Pay attention be, and be okay with that. Some people don't like that. But Pay attention, you dummy. You're gonna, your jewel's going to be fine. Four hours, 180 blaster, good as gold. Um, Bustin' Jigs, he sent in a pod note. We were talking, I don't remember, but we were, were we talking about dolphins or shooting a dolphin? Ugh, I don't want to know. <laughs> Next question. <laughs> he was talking about hey, he worked in the Army and he accidentally shot a dolphin. We are talking about... Boats and helicopters and being assholes with money, I think. And we made a joke about doing something. That's that was right. Not cool. Um, not cool. But he's yeah he he he's not he's not bragging about it. No. He, he, but then also, Bustin Jigs, the uh, dolphin murderer, said, "I just bought a house. I'm about to ball out on some pots and pans. What are your all-clad feelings? What pieces are a must? Do y'all think copper core is tight?" 
Um, I don't no. like that a guy named Bustin Jiggs is considering whether or not to purchase copper cookware. It's making me not feel very good in my life choices. I think copper core Love is you, completely unnecessary for the all cloud line because yeah, it's Justin, not. It's idiot. just I don't know. No, it's not an idiot. That's I a good think, question. I think your base, your base cheapest line of all clad, which half the pieces I have, and I've got some of the D two, and I have some copper core. They all cook the exact same. Mm-hmm. They clean the exact same. They're fine. It's marketing. It, and to an extent, in my experience, mm-hmm. somebody might argue, but that's what I've found to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do really like um, going on Craigslist and trying to find somebody who's selling a wedding present or a graduation present. Mm-hmm. So you can, I've bought, in, you know, like the $1,400, the $1,200 all-in kits. Crackhead Off kit. of like a 22-year-old kid whose mom got it for him for college graduation. And he's mm-hmm. like... 250. I'll never use any of this shit. Mm-hmm. This is stupid. <laughs> um, That's a very good tip. So, you know, before you pay full freight for it, um, I think there's also clearances, but you do get really good deals when you're buying sets as opposed to individual pieces, unless there's something you really like. So that was my next question. Set man versus individual. You're, you're, you... Well, if you have none, a set is really going to point you in the right direction. Um, I what mean, about buying oxys on Craigslist? You got any tips for that? Yeah, just definitely buy them as many <laughs> as you can get and DM me. They're only going to go up in value. Um, and also, oh, but basic pieces, um, definitely a twelve or oversized like fourteen inch skillet with a lid is mm-hmm. really nice. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like a daily driver. Mm-hmm. Um, I forget what they, I forget the size, but they make the one that we use all the time. That's got the lid. And it's with the flat wall, yeah, with the flat wall, like a two inch flat wall, yeah, it's like a two inch or an inch and a half, two inch I flat think my, wall. My grandma used to call those chicken fryers, yeah, it's a little short for chicken fryer, but yeah, but <clears throat> uh, okay, maybe uh, I'll look and try and figure out what size it is. But uh, that's the single pan I use in my kitchen more than anything, mm-hmm. um, is a straight walled, probably 12 inch, I don't know, brazing. Yeah, Brazing and those those are great. And lid those and are great for finishing pastas in. God, anything. And then um, you know maybe work your if if you spend too much on the all clad and you want to get a nice cer- ceramic Dutch oven. Uh, there's a brand called Milo that I've been seeing pop up here and there. They make a big Dutch oven that looks just like the Le Creuset one. It's and for a third of the price, it's like ninety five bucks. But my, I mean, also my advice to in my experience of using things, if you're buying something as quality as all clad or if you're buying cast mm-hmm. iron, vintage cast iron that's like Griswold, not Lodge, or um, God, what's the other one that I love? Think about it. But I like buying these pieces used. I like buying an all clad pan for $15 at a yard sale because mm-hmm. bartender's friend brings it back to life no matter what. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think all this shit from William Sonoma, somebody just bought a house and was talking about swag or whatever word he used, doesn't really probably care about this. But, you know, I get triggered when I'm spending way more than I know what this product is worth because of name brand, even though it also pertains in, in the case of. Le Creuset and All Clad, I find the quality to definitely be there as well. Mm-hmm. But also the lifetime survivability of those products is also a truth. Um, I've never had to throw away any of those products in my life, of, even of other people destroying it, cooking in my house. Mm-hmm. It's always able to be brought back to life. So, you know, buying those things used are great. 
All right. Adam Santucci, Air Zaire, asks, not exactly a food question, but who wrote the stew intro song? Um, it's a it's a two piece song. The first Shouty Low. The the second half of it is Shouty Low, R I P Shouty Low, Day No, D E Y, yeah, K N O W. Uh, a great rap song that uh, came Used to out. Be a ringtone. Maybe like two thousand seven or eight is around when that came out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the first half of it is like a random freestyle session that my brother and my ex girlfriend Sam kind of sang when we were messing around with auto tune, mm-hmm. and it was so bad and so good at the same time that it just kind of stuck. Great. So that's that's what that is. Um, okay. Sorry, next question. Sean, my good man. Young Billy Ray Valentine. Good summer rice dish. Summer rice dish. I mean, he's he's from the Carolinas, so I feel like we should be asking him this question. Yeah. Oh, summer rice dish. Ooh. I don't know if I have a lot of rice dishes. I've got... The tortilla and I've got like Hainan chicken rice. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where my kind of rice dishes stop other than fried rice or steamed rice. Well, I guess if you're if it's summertime, what are we eating are we eating cold? Are we making like a cold orzo salad? I immediately thought of what you're gonna be able to get beautifully in I mean, ramps. Mm-hmm. Where are you in the south? Just do a can, little ramp can rice. Get, can you get ramp rice? Ramp rice. Ramp rice it is. Uh, his next question, is Major Domo any good? The answer is no. Third question. It's probably great. What are you guys looking there. forward to grilling this summer? I'm um, convinced that I'm going to perfect lamb necks. Mm. I made a lamb neck dish at Stewie's Barbecue a few months ago, and I was not happy with it. Lamb necks. That is a a beautiful thing. I yeah. love the uh, the lamb neck at EPLP. Incredible is my uh, my fave lamb neck dish in LA. I think for me, grilling says the guy with a with a yard and no barbecue. Yeah, uh huh. Uh-huh. That's me. Ooh, what's it gonna be? I mean, I'm I'm really into grilling burritos right now. You are, and they taste great. Get a nice smoky crunch on there. Why the fudge not? <laughs> it's burrito grilling season baby oh this is a good <laughs> max just asked a question that you're not gonna like max kr stew question if andre is such a food and drink expert why does he pronounce espresso as espresso great question <laughs> i don't know <laughs> yeah, i i would love I would love to know where you got the idea that I'm a food or drink expert in any facet. By listening to the stew, you could tell. Um, okay, I'll switch it up. I'll, I'll have to change the pronunciation. <laughs> and I don't mind that question at all. Uh, next question from Truett Dietz. What up, baby? Truett. Per your Instagram story yesterday, are sloppies going to be the wave this summer? Did you put sloppies on the gram? I, I put a sloppy pick on the gram. They were great. I mm-hmm. hope so. I hope you continue that tradition. Those were delicious. I think sloppies might be might be a summer wave, and I've been thinking a lot about the sloppy because uh, of how pleasant it was to eat the sloppy, and then real fun. Although you didn't make them very sloppy, I feel like you could have gone to the edge a little bit more. 
like a wetter, got a, like a wetter Joe. Not wetter, but just like sloppy. I don't feel like it's a sloppy Joe unless it's it's spilling out. A you little want it bit. to spill all over the. Place. You made it very well plated and perfectly, but there were some dry bites on the edge, as opposed to a, got it. You, you know want to I mean? runneth over, runneth over. Okay. Basically, you ladle. I picture you put the bottom bun down, mm-hmm. ladle on top till it's spilling, mm-hmm. then use the top half to push down, right. and then people kind of scoop a little bit around the sides before they dig in with their mm. fingers, and then they hit the sloppy, and then it's just there. Hit it with a with a baked lay. Sounds personal preference, though. No, I feel you there. I, it, you can't really call it a sloppy unless it really is getting everywhere. Because it was picture perfect what you were doing. I am, uh, and and because of. Uh, the fact that sloppy joes are not really considered a healthy, um, nourishing food so much. I mean, it is. There's no way that that sloppy joe is any less health. Like any, what am I trying to say? The same thing as a hamburger. Yeah. There's no difference. Like yeah. as far as like if you're if you don't think a hamburger is the death of you, then sloppy joe is the same exact meal. True. I am. Uh, yeah. It's now that I've been thinking about. It, it's so funny. Like what a sloppy joe is essentially just. Ground beef braised in ketchup, you know, and American bolognese on a bun. Yeah, at its core. But I am, I am working on flipping a vegan sloppy right now. Uh, I know it's sacrilege, but you know, everyone is vegan now. <laughs> so uh, vegan sloppy joes are going to be the wave this summer. Mark my word, true it, true it. Okay, Trevor. Ice, ice, how you say, how you say, I'm trying to impress this girl with a meal. Mm. What's some recommendations y'all have had luck with that both show skill and put someone in the mood to make reckless decisions? Excellent question. Trevor, you, you dog. I would start with a chilled Jägermeister shot. (laughs) (laughs) Chilled Jäger. Okay, okay. And then, uh, uh, I don't know. Then mean, work your way into a bone marrow cream. I don't know. I mean, this goes again to, um, you know, I need a little more information about this person's personality and what they like. Yeah, to what's eat. his name? And like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I, you know, it's like, I think when someone doesn't know if, you know, if you're starting to date somebody or getting to know somebody and, they're still figuring out if you're paying attention or listening to them or if you're just kind of putting time in and try and seal the deal. What do you mean by seal the deal? Uh, just get them to partially share for your internet. Um, but when you make something that they have mentioned once or twice or mentioned was their favorite meal as a kid uh, or a restaurant that closed <laughs> that used to make something... That is, Leave it to Andre to always have the right answer for this. That would be I my go-to choice. Up. Dig hard into your brain to something that happened or came across in a conversation or a place mm-hmm. you met or a time you had and recreate that or dig deep. Because, I mean, you but know. But don't dig too deep because then you could look creepy. Well, I don't mean dig deep as far as like but I know, yeah, their just friends. Like, like, something oh my God, that they my, told uh, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, oh, my... My family used to barbecue every summer, and they just made you know. I, yeah, eat, I eat all these burgers, and I, I just want like a that's their background, or you know mm-hmm. something that. But it is a fine line, I say, from 
sealing the deal in your words, Andre. I don't like that phrase at all, but we'll say it for now. Sealing the deal and being a little, you, you know. You prefer reckless decisions? <laughs> yeah. I prefer sex. Okay. Uh, you know, just use it, use it as a metaphor for just your relationship in general. You know, you want to you wanna show you care. You want to sh- say sealing the deal. I mean, winning hearts, baby. Winning hearts. I don't know what you're thinking. Winning hearts. Play yes. the long game. I'm not trying to eat fish tonight. I'm trying to fish for a lifetime. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, you want, you want to be thoughtful and remember a little thing that she may have mentioned in passing. Oh, I just love these little thingy thingies. I've, I've done that move before. But then, See, when you say it, it sounds fucking creepy. It that's sounds sort like of what you're I'm going for. definitely like, trying to cheese this thing in a way that like, you're, you're cheating the system. I cheese every day. I am saying these things is in a, a sincere way as like this is how this this is a great idea if you care. Yeah, and if, then I will find a way to make you look creepier than me and that's just how this podcast goes. Buy, Are you new here? Buy expensive champagne if you want to be a cheese dick and some like <laughs> uni from the from the Tokyo sushi market and do a bunch of stupid fancy shit that's not impressive and then do that cuz that seems to be your speed. <laughs> I think uh yeah, I, I I've done that move a lot. I would do. Uh, you gotta get up. I'm just moving. I, I I remember I went to Trails, the the restaurant that's over by Griffith, Griffith Park. Park. Yeah. And there was I was there with my ex when I was when I was in the courting process, and she's like, "Oh, I really want to get this thing." It's like, it was like the savory muffin that had like an egg in it or something like that it was kind of like a scotch egg muffin thingy going on and we hiked and we waited in line to go there and they go we're sold out of them and then she was like oh man i really wanted that and then later that day i invited her to a friend's barbecue and then i had procured all the ingredients to attempt to make it make, make them ourselves as a as a group activity genius you know not a lot of people can pull it off though you can't just be some freak off the street. You got to know how to make a scotch muffin or at least have the confidence to even attempt a scotch muffin. I'm sure it was great. Going in blind. Of course, it tasted amazing. Next question from Yoon. His name is Dave. You know it. Um, what is your dude's take on the five-second rule? I feel like Andre will go 10, a full 10. Yeah, it, it kind of goes back. I mean, it's a, if I'm cooking for people, it depends on how important what that is that fell on the ground, where it fell, what it fell onto, and can I wash it and not ruin it. But for myself, I just don't have a lot of those germ phobias where mm-hmm. my house is very clean. I, everything I cook with is exceptionally clean. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, every, you know, it can hit almost any surface in my house and be clean. Yeah. Um, I mean, if I was cooking... At somebody's like barbecue in their yard, it's gone. It's done. Mm-hmm. Unless I eat it myself. Right. But cooking for people, yeah, it's it, no rescue unless it's so fucking important where it's like everybody has one serving of this and now that becomes my serving and I will eat that piece. You're going to eat that floor morel? Yeah. Because you dropped it yourself because you messed up. Yeah, I mean, and also going back to the dating world. When you're in the getting to know each other phase and babe drops something on the ground and picks it up, dusts it off, like, oh, it's still good. That's when you know you're on the right track. Agreed. 
Yeah, you, you, you can't date a guy or a girl who gets scared of a morsel that drops on the floor for a, for a second. Unless it's like a serious mental condition, then you kind of have to respect that that's something that they deal with every day. Mm. But if it's just like being fancy, you take that shit elsewhere. Mm-hmm. True that. Earth to Sam asks, why haven't you been to Vespertine? Great question. Take us. Take us, Sam. Uh, I'll, 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 I say I'll be at Vespertine before the year is over. We're going to try. I'm giving them a year to work their kinks out. It'll happen. Next question. What food publications do you read on the regular? Um... I think I have Bon Appetit and Savoir just because I think it's seven dollars a year to subscribe to, mm-hmm. and it's always like to leaf through. I'll pull one thing out, and it's you know. Um, I used to read Lucky Peach. I know you weren't a huge fan. I, I like the last Peach. issue. Um, what else? I don't know. I like. I mean, the New Yorker has some good food writing. Always. Uh, our our pal Hannah. Who um, was on here a month or two ago? She she's been doing some nice stuff. L.A. Magazine, if you're local, does a nice food issue each year, and then also has nice local writing. Yeah, Garrett 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 Snyder, yeah, from who has been on the show as well. He he, I like the way he writes for sure, and um, also the Taste website. I think it's the Taste.com. They have some pretty good food writing on there as well. If you you have to be in the mood to be like. Someone writing fifteen hundred words about raisins, but yeah, if you're in the mood for that, it ain't too bad. And I mean publications, but I will say that Kenji's writing on Food Lab is so incredibly in depth, page mm. after page of insanely quality reading. That nerd is very good. <clears throat> All right, we're gonna do one more question. Let's do one more, and it has to be from the God, Mister Cucumber. Oh boy. Salutations, Mr. Jeans. A question for the pod. In the near of distant future, would you A, integrate a sample of Maca B's famous What Me Eat Wednesdays raps into your show intro, or B, create one of your own versions? Uh, what Me Eat Wednesdays, I'm not familiar with. <laughs> Are you familiar with Mecca B? Mr. Cucumber, I don't think we're going to be able to answer this question because we don't know anything about it. So we're going to have to answer one more. We'll Google it and get back to you. Um. Okay, okay. Kismet, Destroyer, those are restaurants, blah, blah, blah. Okay. No, nope, not going to answer. We need a good one. We need a good last question. Okay, I found it. Maddie is dumb. Maddie Franklin. Hi, Maddie. What is your worst food poisoning story? Mine, she has a good example. Mine is that I got food poisoning from Outback Steakhouse at the same time as my first period ever. And I ended up vomiting in Disneyland on my 13th birthday. (laughs) Those are great. Uh, Outback Steakhouse period Food poisoning, very tough to beat. I think, for me, my worst food poisoning was when I went to Japan. Mm -hmm. And I was really at the peak of just fancying myself an adventurous Bourdain traveler. I was just like, 
I had been there for like a week and a half DJing in various cities. And I was like, oh, we're going to go eat at another like restaurant that we just like the last city. And like, you know, sit on the floor Indian style and eat some sushi that's just, you know, it's good and blah, blah, blah. Or a, or a ramen thing. And I was like, you know, let's, I want to get out there and, you know, what the people are really eating on the street food kind of thing. And they're like, are you, yeah, you want to do that? And I was like, yeah, like, what do you, what do you got? And there was a, there was a guy grilling up just like right on the curb in like the little, the jankiest little hibachi grill, beef liver, grilling that up right there. And he's like, yeah, this is, this is, this is where it's going to go down. And I ate it and I didn't like how it tasted. And I felt fine for a while. Went back to the hotel, went to the airport, and then and then it hit me about, you know, somewhere over the Pacific Ocean on that 12-hour flight. And I basically, I, I had just awful food poisoning, but I couldn't, I made myself not do anything about it on the plane. Like I, I held it. I just held on to it until i until i landed and and got home to i don't i was able to like physically and mentally just be like all right i'm just going to sweat it out and i did sweat it out and then just the next 3 days just nonstop just do we talk about jane's story on the podcast before which one didn't jane have a story about throwing up in an airplane Mm. That was kind of oh, that, that God, was like yeah. it was very stand by me um pie eating contest. The pie eating, us, yeah, where yeah, it starts yeah. with one and ends with all. Yeah, sh- <laughs> like the guy the plane was taking off and the guy next to her started vomiting into a bag and then the seat in front the row in front like caught a whiff of what was going on and then they started vomiting and then but some people didn't have bags yeah so, and it just yeah it was it was a <laughs> full gonzo <laughs> it was a chain reaction of vomiting and then she's she's a very kind of like uh very polite put together put together person yes. and she was kind of i think she was maybe sitting on the aisle or middle and kind of realized like the kind of person that would like tap you on the shoulder and be like excuse me i need to I have to get up and use the restroom. I'm so sorry, kind of thing. And she she did a full commando, like I there, there's no time, and unbuckles and then stands up in her seat and then like walks across like on top of people's laps, like footsteps on top of people, and then run down the aisle to oh. go to the bathroom. Like, woo! Never want to fly again. What about you, Kanapara? Send us off with a nice bar. <laughs> there was with a nice bar. <laughs> um, the one that sticks out the most. I mean, I've had food poisoning a few times. It just like just stuck somewhere, just miserable. But there was. I was in Toronto producing a Lifetime movie, and I didn't feel good that day. But one of our main actors was rapping, so we had a party for him that night. We took him out, and um, felt really bad. <laughs> Ended up um, going back to my hotel room. And just both ends all night long, didn't sleep. But the next morning at an 8 a.m. call to do a cameo 
of a delivery guy who goes into the house and he's so friendly with the family that he just like opens the fridge and drinks milk out. Like that's how friendly he is. Uh, <clears throat> so I slept through the alarm and <laughs> I get a call from AD. It's like, hey, are you, where are you? And I was like, oh my God, that's today. So I went down there and I was like, I don't, I'm coming down, but I don't know if I can do it. I've been throwing up and shitting myself all night. <laughs> and I wasn't even going to tell him that. <laughs> and I was so happy I did because I found out later. So I do it and, um, and I managed to be fine and did like a couple takes with the milk mustache and the whole thing and it was fine. <laughs> but, and I then I went you immediately back to too. my hotel and kept throwing up and, and then recovered. Like it was 48 hours of hell. Probably the worst <laughs> ever. But what I'd found out is that they had a gallon of buttermilk that they were going to squeeze lemon in for the first take to give me to do just to get my reaction on camera. Um, and when they found out that I'd been up all night throwing, they're just like, yeah, no, let's just oh. give them like, no, we can't do that. Oh, I mean, yeah. But that would have been great. So just curdled, just a, just a, a swing for the fences glug of curdled buttermilk would have just been exactly what I needed. I mean, that, that seems like a very inefficient prank when you're trying to get a movie done. It's just like... It was a fun set. It's a fun set, we but like... It fun. All right, first take, we're going to have the guy... Uh, I mean, in hindsight, I wish I, I wish I could have seen myself do that. That would have been great. We're just going to have this guy projectile vomit everywhere, and then we'll spend the next two hours... Uh, Changing everyone's clothes, cleaning up the whole set, and then we'll start over from there. Yeah, I mean, I guess that is, I mean, we've all had a lot of poison journeys, but then smack dab in the middle of your session to pause, leave the bed, and then go chug milk on camera is rough. That was gross. All right. Well, thank you for, for your questions, guys. And sorry for um, taking a week off. And sorry that we're both not at our best. And we hope that you are... Um, I mean, we thank you for sticking through us during these these bleh times in our yes. lives. We all go through them. Sometimes you need a sad pod, baby. It's true. You can go to thestewpodcast.com where all the episodes live. There's... Uh, we're doing, I said it the last time, but one of our listeners, Anna, she's been sort of note, notating, uh, all of the hot points and, and yeah, things for the for episodes that. and we're putting them up there, which is very nice of her. So all the things that we talk about, you can go easily find them on the website. There's a reason to go to the website. Mm-hmm. I mean, nobody ever needs to go to a podcast website. You just listen to the Why podcast. Not? So now you have a fucking reason. Thanks to it. Thanks to her. And you can follow me on social media at them jeans. Andre Conopar has no social media because he's a badass. Mm-mm. It's not helping right now. Uh, <laughs> it's not helping my life right now. And we will see you guys next week. Thank you. Bye. Bye.